started out with the idea or the imagining, you know, how hard it is for us to think that our ordinary lives can be blessed by God, can be sacred and holy in His hands, to think that God would use us, right? Can you imagine? Just think. I mean, I don't know about you, but I feel pretty ordinary. I mean, I, I know uh, my life, you know. I know what it was. And, uh, I know the nuances of what I, God had to deliver me from and all of the chaos and things of my life. And, and so to think God uses me, ordinary. And, and to think it's hard for us to imagine uh, that God would bless and use and make sacred and holy us. But then to, to even explore the idea that our sin and our suffering make make us feel broken and, and brokenness. How can God use my brokenness to be something good? How can He, uh, in, my, in my mindset, brokenness disqual disqualifies me from being able to be used by God? How many ever felt that way before? Now look, I, I don't think God can use me because I know what I've been. I know what I've done. I know how awful I was. One of these days, I'll share my testimony, you know, after you learn to love me first. And maybe you'll still love me afterwards, right? But to think of that. And then, and then just the idea that when we surrender our story to Jesus, when we surrender our lives to Him, how He, how he blesses our lives and He, he re recovers or, or restores our identity and changes us and renews us. Wow. My goodness, how awesome is our God because our brokenness becomes openness in God's grace and God's able to use and mend and, and take us. But, but then the last part is to give us, to be given by God. And that's what I want us to focus on this morning. And, and the question sometimes I believe that we have is, God, what do I have that can be given? Who am I to be given, Lord? And, and, and I think that too many times, maybe we think of our purpose as connected to our value. We, we think that, that because of our value, we have a low self-esteem or a low value of ourselves. And because of our, uh, our low value, we think, God, how can you purpose us in your plan? Come on. I mean, you ever felt that way, right? But I, I want you to understand if you're just an ordinary Christian, right? That, that was the mindset that I have. Is there really anything that I can give? But I want you to know that Jesus Christ loves you and has called you. And, and we're going to talk this morning about how God wants to give you. If you have your Bible, turn with me to Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24, verse 30 through 32. Luke 24, verse 30 through 32. When he was at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed and broke it. And he gave it to them. Verse 31. And their eyes were open and they recognized him and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road? And while he opened us the scriptures. Wow. Now when you look at this passage, this is the third time that blessed, broken, and given is actually stated in the book of Luke. Three different times he uses the scenario of blessed, broken, and given. Wow. 
And, but I believe that this moment is a little bit different in what his meaning behind it is because I believe that he's stating it this time for a point of reference of mission to help us understand that this is a mission moment. This is Jesus blessing bread, opening the eyes of people who are disillusioned and downcast who might feel like they've uh, been pushed away or outsiders. In a way, this in this story, we see that it shows us that blessed, broken, and given is for the sake of the world, not just for ourselves. How many understand that too many times we only think of God wants to bless me, as we talked about originally, hashtag blessed, right? And too many times we're focused on ourselves, and, and to be blessed, broken, and given is not just for us personally. It's not just for the local congregation or the church, but we've been blessed. And we have been broken and we have been given for the world. Amen? So what does it mean to be given? There are several layers, if you will, when you look at giving. And, and this morning I want to look at three of those layers and help us to have a greater understanding. To be given is to be spent out of love for Jesus. Before we talk about what it means to be given, we need to talk about why. Why do we give? Why do we surrender ourselves? Why do we open ourselves up for that purpose? Why do we allow our, our lives to be given for another one? I think the obvious answer to some of us may seem to be L-O-V-E, love, right? So we think love is the answer. And then even another question that might pop up when we say love is that who do we love or, or who do we love so much that we serve? And sometimes you might think, well, we love our children. So we put, our, we put ourselves in the place of sacrifice, in the place of, of hardship at times so that we can make sure that we, our children experience our love. Come on. We sometimes look at, well, we have a passion for those who are in poverty or we have a passion for those who are struggling and so uh, um, we think well we, we love them we love ministering them so much that we want to sacrifice we want to put ourselves in a position uh, so that we can make sure that we're loving on these people so then in the mindset it is our love for something that leads us to givenness so yes that is an obvious answer that we might project but now don't throw stones, but I don't think it's correct. I don't think it's complete. I don't think it's really what Jesus is wanting us to grab a hold of. It's insufficient at its best. It's not enough to sustain us and to carry us through the dark nights and the lonely hours. It, it won't push us through the pain and the hurt. When, when, when everything we've experienced and all the, the hurt we've tried to, we've received in the process, sometimes we might give up if it's just the love of that person or the love of the thing. I remember living in Honduras and in facing travesty and hardship and, and, and no matter how much I love the people that I was ministering to, no matter how much I, I really wanted to see them blessed and encouraged and no matter how much I wanted to do my best for them and was willing to, 
to, to take on the hardships to make sure that they were taken care of, willing to live without air conditioning, willing to follow the, the foods of the society so that I was in, incorporating myself into what they were living so that I could understand them better. Let me tell you something. There were some nights that it was hard. There were some nights where I was willing, ready to give up. There were some days when it was 100 degrees and I could see the, the heat waves flowing through my house and it was so hot and I was wondering how in the world am I going to be able to make it? How can I live in this? There were times when the very people that you were loving on didn't understand it. They were coming uh, with machetes. I remember a lady coming with a machete and, and really, I mean, she was ready to tear into us. It was hard. So I, had, I want us to realize it's not just for the love of people because that's incomplete. Because there's times when then we might stop loving somebody. There's times when this, the atmosphere gets so painful that it is overwhelming and, and we read book boundaries and we set boundaries and we have to start separating ourselves from those things that hurt us so badly because we can't give them all that they need. And so the love for them is not enough. I think we have to look at the Apostle Peter to understand this a little better. And, and looking at John chapter 21, we see, we see how Peter... How Peter's experience may help us to identify that it has to be more than just love for the thing. I mean, here's Peter. Peter uh, being called by God, being uh, probably one who was very uh, arrogant or boastful in his love for Jesus Christ. We see that. He was very brash in what he said. Even Jesus looked at Peter and, and said, Who do they say that I am? And Peter declared, Thou art the Christ. The son of the living God. He said, you are the Messiah. You are the anointed one. He recognized him as God's anointed one. The king of kings. The Lord of lords. He recognized all of that. Yes. Peter was the very first one. When Mary came back and, and declared that Jesus had risen from the dead. It was Peter who ran with John. And ran to the, to the tomb to say, where's he at? He's gone. He's risen as he said. More than likely. Peter was in the room when, when Jesus appeared to, to the disciples and, and there was doubting Thomas there. And Thomas was, you know, Lord, I won't believe it until I can stick my finger in his side, right? And can you imagine, more than likely, Peter was in the room when Jesus appeared in the room with them and said, Thomas, stick your finger in my hands. So this is Peter. Peter had a deep sense of understanding of who Jesus is and who Jesus was. But maybe, maybe somehow or another Peter felt lost in all that night when, when he was denying Jesus. Maybe Peter was so confused about the resurrection and what it really meant. Maybe, uh, maybe whatever it meant, Peter was so uh, too covered in the shame for what, what it mattered. Maybe it was just easier for Peter to just slide away and say, well, I'll just settle for a smaller story. I'll just slide away and I'll just settle for a different place. Can you imagine that? Well, where would we be today without a Peter in the process, right? Where would we be today if it wasn't for Peter on Pentecost where he stood up and, and thousands were saved? Where would we be? But Peter could have slid to the side if it was just love for the ministry. 
Because in this passage, in John chapter 21, we see Peter having, after the resurrection, he's gone and he's now finding himself uh, going back to his old life. He said, I'll just go fishing. And just to think of the leader that Peter is, not only did he say, I'm going fishing, but he brought Thomas, he brought several of the disciples with him. Let's go, boys. We'll just go with you. Can you imagine? Wow. John describes how Jesus found Peter and, and basically reenacts the first, the first time that they met. Y'all remember the first time that Peter was out of the boat and Jesus said, hey, cast your nail on the other side. Well, once again, there's a reenactment. Jesus finds them and they're out of the boat and Jesus says, cast your net on the other side. And, and the thing is, is that Peter said, wow, this feels familiar, right? And really it was John who said, hey, it's the Lord. But even though John said, hey, it's the Lord, it was Peter who grabbed his outer garment, dove into the water and began to swim to where Jesus was. He left the boat. He left the big haul of fish. He left them to carry it all on. All he knew is that is Jesus and where Jesus is, that's where I want to be. Amen? Amen. Wow. Thank you, Jesus. There's been a lot of discussion on Jesus' interaction with disciples and Jesus' words and what he said and parsing those words and looking at uh, how he interacted with, with Peter at that moment. And, and we can say that uh, Jesus asked him a question three times basically to counter the three uh, moments of denial that Peter had up that night that he denied Christ. And all those factors. And we, we recognize that, that Jesus uh, even met Peter where he was because when he first said, Do you love me, Peter? And, and Peter said, Well, uh, yes, I love you. But Peter... Jesus was using agapeo, and, and Peter was using phileo. He said, do you love me with a, with a, with a great love, with the almighty love? And Peter was saying, well, I love you with a brotherly love. And in the end, the last time he asked him, do you love me? And, 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 and Jesus said, do you love me phileo love? And Peter says, Lord, you know all things. But, but what we miss is that there is a key piece that's hidden in the whole message. There's a key piece that sometimes we, we, we lose sight of the understanding of this because in the conversation, in this renewal conversation, in this restorative moment where Jesus repetitively gives these words, He said, do you love me? Right? He didn't say, do you love my sheep, Peter? Do you love the ministry that I've called you to, Peter? Do you love the mission that I've given you, Peter? Do you love, uh, do you love the food or the message that I've given you? And, and, or do you love the purpose? Or do you love your... He didn't say any of that. He said, do you love me? Wow. Thank you, Jesus. I mean, look. In other gospel accounts, Peter's first call, Jesus said to Peter, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And we can 
say that that first call was a call to mission, a call to ministry, a call to something greater than what he was. He, he said, Peter, basically he said, Peter, I'm going to lift you out of, of where you are to take you where you never thought you could go. Come on. I'll sweep you up in the greatest story of all. I'll give you a role in the kingdom of God that is arriving from heaven, from heaven on earth. For as it is in heaven, so shall it be on earth. Peter, I'm going to take you somewhere. Amen. Amen. I'll make you the participant instead of the recipient. Too many times we're focused on God, give me, give me, give me. God said, it's not about what I can give you. It's about making you a, a participant in the plan of the kingdom of God. I'll make you a participant rather than a recipient. Because that, in essence, is what giving is all about. Becoming a part of God's plan. And as a part of God's plan, we become his hands and feet extended to the world. Amen. Hallelujah. It isn't the love of being given that leads us to givenness. It isn't the love of purpose that can sustain us. It isn't the love of someone that we're ministering to that will help us through the hard times. Come on, somebody. It wasn't, it wasn't the love of the mission or the ministry and all that stuff that sustained Peter in God's hands. It was a love for Jesus Christ. Let me tell you, the love of calling will never keep you from falling. Come on. The love of calling will never keep you from falling because if you're just called then, and you don't know what you're called to or why you're called or what purpose you're called to, then guess what? You will fail. If Peter's first call was about a purpose, his second call was about a person. And that person is Jesus Christ. Do you love me? Do you love Jesus? Do you love Jesus above all else? Because listen, there are lesser loves who have led people to Jesus. There are lesser loves that have led people into ministry. But let me tell you, those lesser loves, when it gets hard, when all hell breaks loose, and you're wondering how the world's going to go, it won't be the lesser love that gets you through. It will only be your love for the King of kings and Lord of lords and your soreness in Him to know that I will make it. If heaven earth passed away, I can stand on the Word of God. It will get me through. I know that He loves me, and I love Him. It is Him and that I'll trust I love him and I know that he loves me. Amen. 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 The love of God, the deep, passionate love for God is what will sustain us. The love for Jesus is what will help us and help us through and cause us to abide even when everything else fails. It is our love for Jesus that leads us to surrender to him and it is Jesus who gives us away to others. When we surrender to Him, when we sur surrender to His love, He is able to then uh, break us. Bless us, break us, and give us. Our surrender makes us bread in the hands of Jesus. I don't know about you, but God, send me and spend me. God, use me as your vessel. God, take my life for your purpose. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Come on. 
Amen. This is how we become given for the life of the world. The second thing is, is to be given is to live for the life of the world. When I look at the, the word on, as he was speaking to them on the, the road to Emmaus out of Luke chapter 24, our scriptures this morning, I see these two disciples and some would say that they were two of the twelve. Others have said that they were among many disciples. No matter what you say they are, here they were hanging their heads, hiding their faces, hiding their tears, unable to quench the fire of the disappointment and frustration of what they were feeling. Here they were walking down this road, discussing and maybe even arguing about the Messiah. But at that moment, according to Luke chapter 24, verse 15, Jesus approached them and began walking with them. I mean, oh, Jesus wants to walk with you. Come on. Jesus began traveling with them. Jesus joined the disappointed and the disillusioned in their journey. He didn't say, come here. Hear me now. He didn't say, come to me. He didn't say, come follow me. No, look, let me tell you something. There were times for that. There were moments where Jesus said, come unto me. There were times when Jesus said, come over here. But in this moment, in the deep brokenness that they felt, in the shattered lives, of, their hope was shattered, and they were badly broken. In the midst of that, come on. There's, there are no times when we're so weak, but when we're so broken, Jesus comes to us. Amen. Look, there's a precept for it. God the Father saw a broken world. And Jesus said, I'll volunteer, Lord. I'll volunteer, Father. I will go to them. I will voluntarily relinquish my throne room so that I can walk amongst them and I can feel their pain and I can understand them. Jesus came to us from the very beginning. And guess what? If we're in the depths of brokenness, if we're broken and our hope and our hope is gone, Jesus will meet us in the midst of our hopelessness. Amen. But what really stirs me is that if we are the people of God and we're God's hands and feet in this world and God's voice is a part of His body, we need also to be listening. We need to be hearing what is going on in our community and around us to recognize that there are broken people amongst us and they're looking for someone to join them on the journey. Come on. Too many times we're waiting and we're wait, waiting for them to step into our arena and God's saying it's time for you to step into theirs. Too many times we're saying, well, let them come and, and, and we'll shine on them. Or, Look, let me tell you something. God's looking for our people who's willing to step into the darkness and willing to step into the hardships and say, Look, we've come to give you hope. We've come to give you life. We've come to grab a hold of your hand and help you out of it. You might be sinking in, in what might be a clay that you can't get out of, but I'm here to throw a line of help to you. Come on, somebody. Let me pull you out of our clay. Let me live you Jesus pointed to himself as the 
as the final part of God's salvation story. And after asking those he was walking with, and they were talking, he said, what are you talking about? And they said, well, we were hoping. I mean, there's a whole world that's hoping for something. And they don't know what they're hoping for. We're hoping for salvation. We're hoping to be set free. We're hoping to have this weight of burden of life lifted off us. We're hoping. Yes. Let me tell you something. It doesn't matter how many checks. You can be up or with You don't matter. You can get a check. And you can get a check. And you can get a car. Look, it don't matter how much you give out to the world. They're still broken. It's not having a pocketbook full of money that's going to help you feel unhopeless. Yes. I don't know if that's a word. Who creates the Come on. Come on. <laughs> but Jesus has called us into a world to show him love. Jesus looked at them as they were discussing and they were discussing his death. And then Jesus acted ignorant to what happened the last three days. Yes. Like, what? What? What are you talking about? Come on. And then began to open them the scriptures. From the law, all of the prophets, and how how he had, how they had prophesied the Messiah, and how he would suffer, and how he'd be raised. Basically, he took the scriptures and helped them have a new paradigm of understanding because their mindset was wrong. Yes. Let me tell you something. Just as Jesus met them on the road, Jesus will meet you in your emotional state. He'll meet you in your physical state. He'll meet you in the place where you are, your brokenness. He'll meet you in, in the, your religious state. Because here these guys, they didn't have a New Testament to open up. They couldn't go to Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John and say, Ooh, they were in the story. And so Jesus met them where they were. Where were they? One, they were on the road walking away. Two, he opened them the law of the prophets because guess what? That's what they had studied. He said, let me help them understand even from the context and even from the religious culture and even from the understanding of Scripture that they understand to let them know me. God, help us to help the world see Jesus. Right? And not only did He do that, but Jesus went on and He showed them through Scripture how it spoke of Him. I remember as a student in college and, and uh, gathered a group of guys and we, we went on an evangelist mission, right? We went, we went down into some streets knocking on doors. We didn't put our little blue or black thin tile like shirts on and we went riding bicycles by. But we went through and just loving on people, just you know, trying to let people hear the word of God. And I do remember this young man coming to the door. He was a, a Jehovah's Witness. And I began talking to him and just trying to just encourage him. And we sat, he came outside, we sat down on the little curb, and, and I said, Bring the Bible with me, bring the Bible with me, I'm talking. And we opened scriptures. And my goal was to help him understand that Jesus Christ is the King of glory. Jesus Christ is not a God. He is the God. Yes. Jesus Christ is the only way, the truth, and the life. Come on. Yes. And so we sat there for 
at least an hour just sharing the scriptures and, and opening up and, and finally he looked at me and says, you know, he said, I wasn't always Jehovah's Witness. He said, but I was broken in church. He said, this group of people just came to swoop in and love on me. And so here I was, sweeping in, showing him that, that here's the truth of God's word. And just because somebody can say they love you, they can also lead you astray. You need to be grounded in God's word. We are the body of Christ. And the world wants to twist what God says. The world wants to, to, to try to bring uh, blinders to what truth is. But I'm here to tell you, as the body of Christ, we need to go in and show the love of Jesus. Because we're given for the world. Amen. Wouldn't it be nice to be able to, to go into the world and help them. Look, there's a reason why that people are trying to change history. Hear me? There's a reason why they don't want to talk about our Christian roots, even as a nation. There's a reason why they don't want to, to add the Judeo-Christian values that, that we have allowed to flow through our society. There's a reason why. Because if they adhere to that, they have to identify that it was real. Come on. And so we need to help society understand where we came from. We need to be able to know this word is the foundation of truth. This is only the truth that we can lean on. It doesn't matter what anybody says. If it's not in the word of God, then it's not something you can handle or lean on. Amen? You've got to lean on thus said the word of God according to the plan of God. If you want to say, well, this is how God works, well, let me see. This is how God works. This is how when people fail, this is how God loved them. This is how God carried them. This is how God sustained them. This is how God walks with them. This is how God moves today. This is how God moves tomorrow. It's all in the word of God. We need to take them and help the world understand Jesus. Amen. 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 Look, when they reached the mass, as Jesus was walking with them, when they reached the mass, Jesus acted like he was going to keep on going. Jesus wants to know, are you really hungry? Do you really want to know the truth? If I open this to you, let me tell you, you start opening the truth to somebody that I know. That sounds good. Give us some more. And as, as, as Jesus was like, you know, it's been nice talking to you. I said, well, wait a minute. Where are you going? It's getting dark. Come on in. Come on in. And Jesus came into the house. Now, let me tell you something. He does things a whole lot different, doesn't he? Because when he walked in, it was hospitality to, to a stranger that became a game changer. Come on. And then Jesus demonstrated a kind of radical hospitality when he came in. Because Jesus accepted their offer to come in. Then he, the stranger, did something even stranger. Because I know that we don't have protocols, right? And, and necessarily in our homes, we don't have, we might have some protocol, but we can bend those things. But in Jewish culture, they have protocol. These are the things that happen before the meal, during the meal, after the meal. This is how it goes. And the Bible says that Jesus took the bread. What? Wait a minute, wait a minute. Now, we might think that's cool. Well, that's good. Jesus, I should take the bread. 
But in the culture of, of the Israelites, the Jewish culture, the host always blesses the bread. Hmm? Jesus showed them a radical hospitality. And Jesus in their space became the hospitality. He became the host to help them understand and their eyes be open. Jesus being the radical host. I mean, think about it. You might think, well, that's rude. Jesus, what are you doing? Stepping up in here, taking the bread. It's his blessing. But Jesus took the bread and he blessed it and he broke it and he gave it, right? I mean, according to, to, to Luke, this is a deliberate action. It's the same sequence that he set when he was feeding the 5,000. It's the same sequence he set as he put the disciples around the table. He blessed it. He broke it and he gave it. And once again, he did the same. But the very next verse in Luke chapter 24 and 31, it said this. It said, and their eyes were opened. Look, we might talk about a woke society. But God's wanting a woke church. Amen? And we will not be awakened to truth until we are able to dig into His Word. And it becomes the meal that we are sustained by. Come on. You won't be woke for the things of God until you pull this off the shelf and it sits beside your chair and you open it up and you digest it and you read it and God speaks to you and you walk in that. If you're not walking in His Word, how can you expect to be awoken to the plans of God? Amen. Amen. Well, you better get proud of us. I could preach for an hour or two. Come on. Look. Come on. In an age when belief is contested, in an age where religion is private, it's a private matter. You ask somebody about, do you have faith? Well, it's a private matter. Right? And, and, and you look at their life, the Bible says you, you'll be known by the fruits you bear. Look, said, I ain't judging you, I'm just identifying your fruit. Come on. Look, I'm not trying to say something bad about you, I'm just asking you where are you at because, you know, you're supposed to be an apple, but you're looking like an orange. Right? So, in an age where, where belief is contested, an age where religion is, has become private and of little bearing on, on real life, where the church needs to recover the art of radical hospitality. Not that we're, we're just, look, I'm thankful that we have a, a, a wonderful hospitality team. But look, our hospitality needs to move, move past these walls. And we need to be willing to step into the world. We need to be willing to, to show the love of Jesus to a hurting and broken and hopeless people who are looking for help because when we step in with radical hospitality and say, look, I don't necessarily agree with what you're doing, but I'm here because I love you. But more importantly, I'm here because I love Jesus. And Jesus loves you. Jesus cares about you. Mary, get up here. I know you're shy. Come on. 
Mary found out about man. And said, man, this is, this is awesome. I want to be a part of that. And so every week she comes and she serves over man. Gary is blessing him. Yeah. Now look. Mary and Kay. Guess what? Now, guess what happened? She got these two other who I mean, kids of hers. She began spreading that word to Dixie. Don't run too fast. Come on, Dixie. It has everything to do with 
because Jesus Christ gave his only, his life for us. He loved us so much and cared for us so much that we want to reciprocate, put that love back to him. And reciprocation is a social construct. I'm going to love him so much because he's loved me so much. Amen. 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 You might be saying, thank you, God. I want to be in God's hands. I want to be a part of God's plan. I want to give because He's given to me. I want to love because He's first loved me. I want to show a, a, a gracious passion for others because God was graciously passionate towards me. My love for God produces, or His love for me produces a love for Him that is shown upward and outward. The question really boils down to this. Do you love Jesus? Do you love Him? Because if you love Jesus, then He says, follow me. If you love me, then keep my commands. This is how you will know that you love me, that you have love one for another. These are the things that the Lord is calling us to. We say, God, take my life. Bless it. Break it. And give it. But we have to be available. We've got to be available. We've got to say, Lord, here I am. Use me. And it's not just on Sunday mornings. It's not just on the Wednesday night Bible study. It's not just on Monday night CR. But it's a lifestyle that because Jesus loved us, we are willing to step into other people's mess. And we say, you know what? I'm here to walk with you. Look, I'm sorry that you're broken. I'm sorry that you've been hurt. I'm sorry that you have been abused and facing trials. I'm sorry that you have found yourself in the bottom of a pit. I'm sorry that you have found yourself in addiction or whatever you might find. But here I am to love you through it. Because if Jesus can love me through it, He can use me to love you through it. Amen. Amen. And we, together, can be overcomers. Sally, come here. I know. Really, Pastor? This morning, for Sally. And I'm thankful for the Sallies of the world. Look, you got it all together? No. But you know what she is? You can watch her post and, and she might say something. You're like, okay, Sally, you got this. But there's one thing that you can know this. 
If there's somebody who's broken or somebody who's hurt or somebody in need, I'm here. What do you need, Pastor? How can I help? You need me to be on the security team? Absolutely. You need me to teach a Sunday school class? Absolutely. You need me to help the children this week? Absolutely. Because he's available. This morning, my question to you is, are you available? You might say, well, you don't know me, Pastor. No, I don't know, but I know there's some Sally's. There's some Marion's. Come on. There's some people who've been broken who says, you know what? It's not about my brokenness. It's about my love for him and his love for me. And because he loves me, I'm going to serve. I'm going to be guilty. If you say today, Pastor, I'm ready to be given for him. I'm ready. Would you raise your hand right now? I'm ready to be given for him. Yes. 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 Father, I thank you so much for allowing us to be bread in your hands. And Lord, no matter how we feel, we might feel like cornbread, we might feel like tortillas, or we might feel like some nice bagels or whatever. We might feel common and ordinary. But Lord, thank you, Jesus, that we're in your hands. Because in your hands, you're able to bless. You're able to break. And you're able to give. And Lord, we are here, available for you to use. Available for you to take us where we need to be. God, available to demonstrate your love to those who feel unlovable. Able to walk with those who feel hopeless. Able, Lord Jesus, because of your love for us, able to be your hands, your feet. Lord, we declare this morning that we love you. And Lord, it is that love that is the vehicle and the driving force that allows us to reach the world. If you can use anything, Lord, use us in Jesus' name.